Blog Talk Radio. Time with Pastor Steph. I like to hear. That's what I like to hear. For this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. So, where were you yesterday? Ah, uh, yesterday we were shaking the Monday morning blues, and we had our phenomenal guest, Missy. Courtney Lee Smith, and she talked about praying for my husband's future. Now, I tell you, we didn't have some phenomenal, phenomenal guests on, and, you know, we <laughs> we have been so blessed. And, you know, yesterday, I felt like Courtney had a script in front of her. It felt like she was prepared for every single area I brought out to her. And, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. We started off talking about praying for our husband's future relationships. And, oh, my goodness, it was fantastic as, you know, she talked about the fact that, you know, you have to pray for your husband, you know, the people that he's with, the people that he's around, you know, the choices that he makes with who he spends his time with, because those things are so essential, you know, because, you know, do you realize that who your husband spends his time with affects your day, affects your life? Yes, yes. And, you know, I did ask her, you know, Courtney, what do you say to your husband when you don't see he's making the right decisions with who he's spending time with? And she said, you know, well, you can't, you know, it's better, is what she said. It's better, you know, there's other things you can say that's better than telling him you don't like his friends. Well, i got to tell you, ah. Oh, you know, that is commonly said. Because have you ever seen the battle between 
the best friend and the wife. You know, she's always thinking he's up to something. She's always thinking that the best friend is always influencing the husband. And yeah. And, you know, I, I was like, I had to laugh because I tell you that it's so common, so commonly said that, you know, we don't like so-and-so, so-and-so ain't no good for you and, you know, all kinds of things. And, <laughs> yeah, she was like, well, it's not good to say that. She said, I think this was the time when she said, you know, because the more you tell people or you say to people, you know, don't. That's when they do. And I, I I had to laugh because, like I said, you couldn't imagine how many times this comes up. And, you know, the first thing you do is say, you know, he ain't no good. You know, good. He ain't no good for you. And so forth to someone. So it was really, it was, it was funny. It was quite comical. Oh, we talked about praying for your husband's future mental state. Oh, that was such a good one. Oh, it was such a good one. I think this is the one where she talked about women, the wives. You know, and and I, you know, I chimed in, I chimed in, because you know this is a consistent problem. You know, we are the ones who are responsible, you know, for the mental state, and you know, we don't even take the time to think about the fact that, you know, we put him in a bad headspace. You know, because again. You know, they're already battling. They're already battling the world. And, you know, when they're battling with you, man, that ain't going to work. That is not going to work. Oh, we talked about praying for his future fatherhood. Yeah. Ooh, and she mentioned the fact that, you know, did you even have that conversation? Oh, you know how this goes down. You know how this one goes down. You know, are we, you know, pressuring him to become the father? And we talked about the fact that, you know, a lot of times they're not even a good partner, much less a good father. So, you know, all of this stuff was, you know, talking about these things and praying about these things ahead of the game. You know, we're not going to wait, uh, you know, before he becomes, until he becomes a father and then start praying, you know, we start praying. We're praying for his future. And, you know, when we're praying for his future fatherhood, you know, these are the things, again, like, you know, Courtney said that we talk about very early so that you now know what to take before the Lord. Because if you have that proper conversation with him, then you're going to know what to pray about. And anything after today is his future. Yes. I mean, come on. Let's be honest. Future is not 
you know, five, six, seven years from now, she said, anytime after now, we got to be concerned with those kind of things. And we can't just say we're praying overall, you know, for his future. You can't go before the Lord and just say, Lord, you know, I'm praying for Johnny's future. No. You got to make sure that you get details. Oh, we talked about praying for his future integrity. Now, you know Pastor Steph wanted to talk about that one. Yes. Why? Because we always talk about pressuring him into conversations that's going to force him to lie. Yes. You know, we always talk about the one, you know, where you been. But, you know, are you are you praying about what he says, period? How he answers and he responds, period going forward. You see, you may not be able to do anything about like right this minute. But if you watch, if you study the man that you're with, if you study your husband, you're gonna be able to see his weaker point. You know, if you're looking to marry somebody who is, you know, perfect, that that ain't happening. Because you yourself are not perfect. So, you know, you're always going to have something to have to pray about. And yesterday, I wanted to make sure we broke this thing down because, you know, when you see the caption, praying for my husband's future, I don't want you to believe that it's okay to just go before the Lord and just pray for your husband's future globally. You know, you're not going to go before the Lord, or you shouldn't go before the Lord, and just ask the Lord, you know, God, I want to pray, you know, for my husband's future. You know, I want it to be prosperous. But no, you got to get detailed about this thing. Because if you're going to pray effectively, you got to pray targeted. you got to get into those things. You got to be able to see the things that your husband needs. You got to be able to see the things that your husband is lacking. And you've got to pray for that improvement. But you've got to be a part of the improvement. Yeah. See, it's going to talk about it Tuesday. So uh, we might be talking about yesterday, but. We, we got to talk about this thing here. You know, we got to talk about the fact that, you know, we're, we're talking about praying for my husband's whatever. Future, mind, integrity, finances. These are the things that we've, you know, we've had presentations on. But ladies, let me help you with something. You can't go before the Lord and pray for your husband anything if you're a part of the problem. Oh, Courtney talked about that yesterday. I talk about that today and all the other days we get to talking. 
you can't be part of the problem. You've got to make sure that when we go before the Lord, that we are working on that item as well. Now, Courtney touched on it yesterday when she said, um, you know, when you go before the Lord, you got to make sure that you yourself are cleaned up in that area. And I think it was the integrity part. And I, I could be wrong, but I think it was when she we were talking about the integrity, praying for his future integrity, and she said, you can't be one who compromises and, you know, works on nothing, not your word, not your truth. And then you talk about praying for the things he says and the things he does. Because, see, let me tell you something. If you have an, a, a, a lack of integrity and he has a lack of integrity, then how could you possibly pray for his? Because more than likely, you're not going to see that. Because, see, you're going to think that that's the way of life. You're always going to justify why you lie. You're always going to justify why you do the things you do that shady. You always got a reason. So if you always got a reason, then he's always going to have a reason. And you're surely not going to be able to see that he's shady and shady. And you're going to be complaining about it. And you don't know you shady and shady. No, 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 no. So that kind of walks us into the switch tip with Shantice, which says, don't be a stumbling block. Now, that is a perfect example of what don't be a stumbling block is. If you and your honey are going through the same thing. You can't. And you can't expect your honey to be better at something if you yourself is helping him with the problem. So let's go back a minute. Now remember I said Yesterday, and I always say, I always say, you know, you know, when he said he was going, you know, over to, he's going to be working late. And you found out, your girl just called and said, Did you know so and so was at such and such a place? Because I was just driving by there and I saw him. I saw, I just saw him. And you're like, Well, he told me he was going to be at work. He didn't tell me he left work early. So you call him. So you hear it's quiet, and you know he's not at work. So you have that conversation as though he at work. You let him ride that train. You let him play that game. You play the game with him. And when he come home, you stand at the door. Where you been? Knowing he is going to lie and say he was at work. Well, that's being a stumbling block. Yeah, you didn't think about it that way, huh? Yep, that's being a stumbling block because you're causing him to lie. Yes, you. Yes, you. 
Yes, you. I don't see what's wrong with saying Courtney said she saw you when she drove such and such a place. You left work early. I don't even see there's anything wrong with saying that. If you got to say something, you know, we talked about integrity. Well, that's not showing good integrity when you ask where you've been, when you know who he hasn't been, where he said he was, and you're just doing that to wait to start an argument. That's not showing good integrity. <laughs> oh, I just got a text that says, you still might lie. You're right. You're right. If you give him an opportunity to tell the truth, then let him know. Oh, you know, you went to such and such a place? Oh, Courtney said she saw you there. And he says he does come up and he does tell the truth. And he says, oh, yeah, you know, I left work early. Look at that. Look at that. And then you don't go off on him. You didn't tell me you was leaving work early. Now he's going to lie because he didn't want to hear your mouth. So listen, ladies, you know, did this. You know, let, let, let's talk a minute. You know, there's a lot of ways we can, uh, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of ways we can, you know, be a stumbling block. You know, I'm just happy, you know, I just happen to use this particular scenario because this is, you know, what we were talking about. And it was a wonderful segue into the switch tip you know, from yesterday, but I really got to tell you, I think a lot of times we cause a lot of problems. We do. And we can't effectively pray for our husband's future when we're the ones who, you know, who's the stumbling block. We really can't. And I don't think it's fair. I don't think it's fair. Sometimes it's just best to say okay it's just best to say okay and give him an opportunity to correct it you know if you see that he has you know that he lies easily you know then ask him I'm serious ask him ask him why you know why do you lie why did you lie and say you know that you were at such and such um, you were at work when you you know, we're at the such and such a place. You could have told me that. I wouldn't have gotten upset. You know, if you maybe need to, you know, kind of let some steam off or blah, 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 blah. You, you know, or, you know, go to your boy's house or whatever. You could have told me you left work early. I don't want to think you're at work and then God forbid something happened to you. Blah, blah, blah. I have that same conversation that you have with the kids. I think a lot of times if we show that we're understanding and you know what? They say you catch more flies in front than you do with vinegar. So come on, ladies. You know, we're talking about praying for our husbands anything at this point. Well, before we pray for our husbands so-and-so, you're really going to have to pray for you. You're really going to have to pray that you are the, the woman and the wife 
that you really need to be. And sometimes, you know, uh, what did Courtney say yesterday? Grandma said, you know, every truth don't have to be told, something to that effect. In other words, you don't have to be told everything. Everything doesn't have to be said. You know, just sometimes just fall back a little bit. Fall back a little bit. And I think praying for your husband will become a lot more effective. Effective. I want to make sure I say it the right way. You know, a lot more effective if we if we're praying for ourselves first and we're carrying out the things that God wants from us. Okay? Okay. I just wanted to have that little talk with you today. Since uh, it's Let's Talk About It Tuesday, Church Folk Day. Yes. I don't have a lot of stories today. I don't know how juicy these stories are. You know, I always start off saying that, and then, you know, I, I catch something in that article that sets me off. So I don't know, you know, what's going to be like today. But, uh... Let's uh let's get this morning started. How about that? All right. So go ahead. Go ahead and get that healthy breakfast. Go ahead, go ahead and tell somebody that it's due time with Pastor Steph is on and whatever you do, don't go anywhere because we'll be right back. Did you know there are numbers that can change your life? Blood pressure is known as the silent killer. You may not have symptoms, but it could still lead to deadly consequences like heart attack and stroke. Check your blood pressure regularly and know your numbers. Normal blood pressure is less than 120 over 80. Healthy habits like regular exercise, a good diet, and not smoking can help lower your blood pressure and protect your heart. Learn more about how you can check, change, and control your blood pressure at heart.org slash HBP. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome back to a due time with Pastor Steph. And it is Let's Talk About It Tuesday Church Folk Day. Yes. We're just getting our morning started. And uh, we are already talking. Excuse me. Man, I tell you. Y'all going to have to work with me today to hardly breathe over here. It's, uh, oh, excuse me, this allergy stuff has got me choked up over here. 
but I pray that you are in a good mode, in a good mood to talk, because I surely don't have a whole lot of articles today, but I do have some good stuff, some good juices to talk about. Well, let's start off with the fact that New York State has declared a state of emergency due to what's called a desperate situation. Yeah, you got it. The migrant crisis is the desperate situation in New York State. Now, I have to tell you, this is quite annoying. So, uh, you know, we I've been asked, you know, I wonder what, you know, the governor has been saying about all of this migrant nonsense. Well, 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 New York Governor Kathy Hochul says that the immigrant, immigrant crisis is a desperate situation in New York over the weekend. Hochul confirmed uh, state officials are looking into temporary housing. Are y'all ready? It's getting expanded. Temporary housing migrants at SUNY and CUNY college campuses this summer. So, we start off at the elementary and the junior high schools. And now we moving on to the college campuses. When I tell you this is some sickening stuff here, so these kids have to pay these exorbitant amounts of loans in order <laughs> to go to school and get an education. And now they're going to be sharing their campus with the migrants. She says that 71,000 asylum seekers have already arrived in New York State and more are arriving. Well, at what point do we say no? See, this is the problem that I'm having. At what point do we say no? We just keep taking people and we we know we don't have no space. Well, I still I still don't agree with that one. But listen, at this point, y'all want to declare that y'all ain't got no space. Then at what point do you say no? What point do you say no? You are about to pull in 100,000 people and you still can't say no? Well, last week, Orange and Rockland counties each declared a state of emergency over New York City's migrant relocation plan because we didn't already heard that they didn't say absolutely not in my part of the woods. So they say migrants were bused to a hotel in Newburgh days after 
Orange County declared its state of emergency. They say on Thursday, <clears throat> Dutchess County, Sullivan, and Green counties all declared a state of emergency as asylum seekers arrive in New York. They say days after migrants arrived in Sullivan and Dutchess counties, they say over the weekend, New York City reported reportedly sent 80 migrants to the Knights Inn in Liberty, New York. A one-year-old child was found dead inside that hotel earlier this week where Pamela was arrested. They say Dutchess County says that the state of emergency was issued following reports that New York City is planning on sending migrants to the Red Roof Inn in the city of Poughkeepsie. And on Sunday, about 80 asylum seekers. So they say that a state of emergency has now been declared in nearly 30 counties across New York State. And yes, it includes Rockland, Brooklyn, Manhattan, Staten Island, Bronx, and Queens are amongst the 30. Yes, ma'am. So uh, we clearly have surpassed the point of having any say because we've already heard that Rockland said absolutely not and they are shipping people up there as we speak. So here's what they did. No, we ain't putting them in the homes up there. We're going to put them in the hotels. So since you ain't got no say over who is housed at a hotel, we're going to make that happen. So that's how our governor is handling what's going on. How did y'all allow this nonsense to happen? These people are not here to protect us. They're not here to protect our children. They are all a bunch of nothing and nobody. We don't have anybody to protect us. Forget that. Now, my next little story is going to be part of my uh, my argument. So I'm kind of I'm going to probably infuse the two. So, a young migrant <laughs> was arrested Saturday after she was found in the lobby of a Staten Island hospital covered in blood with the newborn baby boy she had just delivered left behind in the bathroom trash can. Now, they say Lucia Garcia, 21, who's originally from Mexico and immigrated here about 10 months ago is the person we're talking about. <sighs> they say uh, the, the baby has now been taken to um, a hospital in Manhattan. Now, here's, here's, here's what happened. Her father, Mr. Ambrosio, 41, said that he took his daughter to the hospital Friday because she said she wasn't feeling well, 
but she kept telling him she wasn't pregnant and she had been hiding the pregnancy from him. She had told him that um, it was a period. <laughs> and he said all he could say, she had a lot of blood. She had a lot of blood. And when uh, they got down to the hospital is when he found out, you know, uh, the real deal. Now, she's now, who's seeking asylum, here in the United States, here in New York, was charged with endangering the welfare of a child and reckless endangerment. Now, the father didn't know. They said that he really didn't speak a lot of English, and a lot of times when he was speaking about her, he was, like, making the motion of, like, pregnancy with his hand and her stomach, his stomach. So here's why I brought this conversation and this story up this morning. Because, see, here's the problem. First of all, she's 21. She just got here 10 months ago, which means that she just got here 10 months ago. It took her no time. She couldn't have been pregnant 10 months ago when she got here. She couldn't have been pregnant when she got here. So that happened right after she got here. So she had no time coming here finding somebody, ending up like this. Now, that's I'm not criticizing her. But I want to show you the problems we're now inheriting. Because, see, we got our own stuff like that going on here. So now you're about to load up Rikers with all these asylum tickets. Because, see, she's only entering Rikers at 21 years old For this reason, we ain't talking about the real criminals or the other criminals. Cause this this about to this about to be this this about to be some this mess of accepting these people in droves is going to skyrocket. We've only seen the beginning of the mess. The beginning of the mess was when you said, okay, all of them could come here. The next mess was you said, okay, without a plan. Three, you said, okay, without having a, we're saying, okay, without a plan and no place to house these people. Uh, you said, okay, without a plan, no place to house the people and nothing to do with them. They have nothing to do here. So how many of others are going to show up? Now, her mother is still in Mexico. Now, it really appears, now, the father works. And she was washing dishes. So it, this one it doesn't seem like she came over like the others. It seemed like she came over legitimately because what they do is when you you kind of like sponsor someone to come here. So, you know, when I read the article, that's what it appears like. Like she was sponsored because they both were, they both were working. So she was washing dishes somewhere, and he was like a porter, I believe, somewhere. So he comes here. He gets a job. 
now he can sponsor, you know, other people, his family to come here. So he brought the daughter here first. Now, I don't know why mom didn't come first or why they didn't come together, but she was, she's a dishwasher. And so she had a legitimate job, which means she's not probably in this batch that's coming over here now, but she still seeks asylum because you're not automatically resident. You know, you get like a little work visa and things like that um, to stay here for a school visa. You know, it depends on what the situation is. But when you come over, you're not automatically, you know, citizen. So you're still seeking asylum. It's just in a different way. So when I saw that they're charging her, okay, so she ain't going to get out of this one. She's not going to get out of this one. But clearly, she needs help. First of all, we don't know what the situation was back in Mexico. So, you know, let's talk reality. She needs help. She's young. We don't know what's going on. We don't know, you know, why she held it. Was she just scared? Was it really Papa, who's the grandfather and the father? You know, we're going to hope that that's not the case. You know, but again, regardless of what has happened, she needs help. She needs help mentally. We don't know how developed she is mentally, although she's 21 years old. We don't know that. So we're talking about this migrant situation where now there's a state of emergency. Well, we've been in a state of emergency. From the time y'all said yes, we've been in a state of, we should declare the state of emergency from that point. Because this here, this is some sick stuff going on here. Oh, Lord, have mercy on us. We are a mess here. What else are we talking about? Uh, talk about state of emergency. So you got this 30-year-old, Deborah Leslie, who back in September of 21, she had some problems relapsing as a, a drug um, user. And her family, like, had a tracking, um, you know, she, she allowed her family to track her phone because she knew that at times she would relapse. And she didn't know what kind of problems she was getting into. Well, did she get into some problems or what? So she went missing. They didn't hear from her. So they started doing some investigating. They come to find out that the last place she was seen was at some hotel. Well, they saw her red car um, at this hotel, but they didn't see her. And they were able to pick up some of this stuff on the hotels at a Motel 6 out in Indiana. So here's what ended up happening, to make a long story short. And this is why I say this, this is this is a mess. 
the mess. So it shows three, her and two other people going into the hotel, but it only shows two of them coming out. And the two was did not include her. They showed the two of them, the two friends, going or who she was with, going back into the hotel with a with a wheelchair. And they said he could tell it was a wheelchair because it had some tags on it. So when they looked at the camera, they saw the two of them coming back out. She this missing young lady, 30 years old, Deborah, was in the chair, slumped over, being pushed out with a cap on her head, surgical mask over her face, and a bed sheet covering her body. So, they, this, this is what they're seeing after the fact. Well, they say about an hour later, a fire was, a, a huge fire was in an abandoned house not too far from the hotel. And they found the charred remains of a woman inside. And when they checked the dental records, it was Deborah. So the two individuals who had her who she was with earlier that day that's who did it and this is why I say we're in a big mess here because we've got our own situations going on now thank God she was smart enough to tell her family you know to track her phone to give her family the ability to track her phone because other than that they wouldn't have they wouldn't have known what happened they wouldn't have known they wouldn't have known to look for her blah 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 they wouldn't have known where to find her you know again this was because they knew the tracking took them where she was um they couldn't they didn't find the phone but they did find the last place she was Again, they found the car. Now, all of this stuff is going on right here and everywhere. When I say right here, I don't mean here in New York, but I mean right here. And we have this going on here already. Imagine what's happening now that you've got, according to New York, 71,000 more people hitting this concrete. And... Now, what are you going to do when this goes buck wild? Because these people, don't, they don't have anything to do. They don't have anything to do. We don't know how many of them are coming over here with drug problems. We don't know how many of them are coming over here with any type of um, uh, pregnancies. Or we don't know how many of them are coming over here. They're already... Um, uh, we call those people criminals, mental, mentally ill. We don't know. We don't know. And all of this stuff gets added to the problem. 
before I bring my due time crew on, I got the story that I definitely wanted to bring. When you talk about insensitive, oh my goodness gracious, you're talking about insensitive. Now, my due time crew that's on, think about it, a due time, uh, 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 what you call church for question, because I don't have one today. All I have is news. All right, so I'm just giving you that. Well, they've got these two children, high school students in Georgia, and they've been fighting cancer throughout their senior year. And they both currently attend, or, you know, yeah, this is not, this, yeah, they currently attend this Lee County High School. Um, as we've been battling the cancer throughout the senior year. Well, in order to attend the prom, one of the mandates is that your attendance has to be, you know, in, in proper order, proper standing. And because they've been battling this cancer, they have been out. They've been missing school. So one of the uh, students, they were diagnosed with some um, level of sarcoma, which is, they say, a rare form of cancer that starts in the growth of the cells and the tissues. And in order to stop the cancer, they say that the student had to travel to Atlanta and ended up having his arm amputated in February. Uh, another one, they did not describe the situation that they're under and what they're fighting in their cancer. But they both wanted to attend the prom. And they were both told that because they had missed too many um too many days during the school year that they were not going to be able to participate in the prom. Now, see, this is this is why everybody don't need to be in charge. Why would two people who have already been struggling surprisingly? would want to go to the prom because remember now he, one of them has had his arm amputated so that might you know for other children they wouldn't have even had wanted to go that would have killed their desire to even go well it didn't and they were told no they could not attend the prom and after the school students and parents heard about it they went buck wild they called the newspaper <laughs> They put out on social media how disgusted they were, and they say hours leading up to the prom, the school reversed this decision and decided to um, allow them to attend the prom. And when the when the reporters reached out to the school. They didn't have a, a particular reason why they had this change of heart 
They just said they reversed their decision. Well, ain't nobody got to tell you why they had to change your heart. They had to change your heart because they were ridiculously making this decision. How do you possibly tell these kids no, that they cannot go to the prom, even though they had Mr. Gates? They were ill. And they just wasn't ill because of no fake or feigned or exaggerated illness. They knew these kids had cancer. You know, what if somebody, you know, they, they're close to death. Now, you're the last little things they get to do, you're going to deny them? I mean, I tell you, everybody don't need to be in charge. Everybody does not need to be in charge. Oh, my goodness gracious. I got to talk to my two-time crew because I'm already worn out from these people. Let's talk to our Pastor Charlotte and see what's going on. Good morning, Pastor Charlotte. Good morning. How are you today, my darling? I'm all right. I'm all right. Thank you. I'm all right. Thank you. Oh, how you doing over there, Pastor Charlotte? I'm okay. Thank you. <laughs> you're struggling. You're struggling. You're struggling, but we're going to push through today. Thank God you're able to be on with us today. <laughs> Thank God you're able to be on with us today. We're going to talk about a little lighter side. Now, what do you think about this 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 uh, school who was right on the brink of preventing these students who had cancer, who's been suffering the entire year with cancer, you know, not you know uh, telling them they could not uh, excuse me attend the prom. I said shame on them. Um, when you was talking about it, I thought I thought about all the other children who they let slide by. I'm so glad that the parents got together. Um, amen to that, that they brought it to the public for aware that they had to blow them up, you know, and they should have been celebrating them because of the pressing they weigh. Because like you said, for children, because kids are cruel, and adults are cruel, right? So now you have one who has no arm, right? And so you know that people are talking. Um, when people have cancer, they hear and stuff fall out. And for these children to press their way and want to still do it and still want to be a part of, you're going to take it upon yourself just to say, because they out some days and you know their situation, no, they need, like you said, who's in charge? Everybody should get some kind of penalty for that, for even the thought of them not being able to help them. Me as a parent, I would have took it to heart, as, and I would have been able to, what can we do about getting these people fired? Because you don't have the heart for the children. And that's what we have to yeah. get to. Where is the heart for these children that we are allowing our children to go and sit up underneath? Yeah, you're right. You know, you're right, Pastor Sean. That's what I thought. I said, you know what? Some people might say being fired is extreme, but I don't feel that way either. Because my thing is the same thing you said. If I can't get you to be understanding for this, then you don't have the heart for the job. Because working with children 
you're going to have to be able to give and take some stuff. You know, everything is not cut and dry. Everything is not cookie cutter. You have a a list of rules, and, you know, we know you want to adhere to the rules and you want to make sure you, you know, make sure the children adhere to the rules, so forth and so on. But there are exceptions to every rule. And for you not to have the sensitivity enough, yeah, I don't even want to know what else you're over there doing. I agree with you. Mm -hmm. You don't have the heart for the children. You don't. You don't. You really don't. There's no way in the world you could have heart for the children and you're saying no to something like that. Oh, my goodness gracious. Absolutely. Um, One more more thing. I'm sorry. I just wanted to say this, too. Parents, right? Back in the day, parents, you know, was more involved. Now it's like a babysitter, right? They take their kids. They drop them off. They don't have no nothing. They don't check nothing. They just, it's like an everyday, just a babysitter thing. If it's more parents than teachers. So if the parents come together and being able, not because it's not my, my child's teacher, but your child go to that school. So if they come together, it's more powerful. And that's the problem that they don't right. have because the parents are not coming together and saying, listen, this teacher's not right. This teacher's not right. So to get that person to be able to, well, all they're going to do is transfer them to somewhere else, right? But if you get together, you can get them fired. Absolutely. Because if you make a lot of noise, right, you make a lot of noise, they have to do something. So right. now that y'all started on this, on this right here in the same school, this right here. Now y'all stick together and let's find out what else is not right. Because these right. other things that is not right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, we had this conversation the other day and you know, okay, so being fired altogether may not, you know, may be a little extreme, but definitely not in the 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 uh the real decision making seat. So, okay, you know, so you're not you're not fired from your the the school, but you know what? Maybe you can say good morning to the parents when they walk in the office. You know that that clerk that's at the desk, Pastor Charlotte, when you go in to, yeah. to the office. <laughs> you know what? Mm-hmm. Now you just right. them, you know, maybe not. You know, you lose your job altogether. You don't have a job. Period. But definitely from the decision-making uh, seat, you don't have that job. So I just want to make sure I clarify where I stand. I'm not saying you shouldn't have a job at all, but definitely not that one. And I, I, I think, you know, this is, like you said, if you start doing some investigating, oh, you won't find there's some other issue. Oh, there's going to be some other issues going on that nobody knows about. This is Absolutely. just shining the light. Oh, I, I am going to clear minds up. I say you don't need to work with children. So that is not a job for you anywhere in the school. <laughs> Find you another job. And because even from the janitors, right, from the janitors, from the security, you have to have to work with children, to be around children 
all day. You should have the love of the children as if they are your own. The same way that when children, no matter wherever children are, and you work with them, not just in the school, it could be in a, you know, a center, whatever. If you don't have the love for children, that is not a place that you need to be. Go flip some burgers and you still have a job. That's my opinion right. on when it comes to my children. All That's right. what we got to get back to. Everybody looking at the children as if they are your own. As if they are your own. Same way in the church. As if they are your own. We should be break. Nobody should be separated as if they are your own. That's my opinion. Pastor Charlene said that. Not Pastor Seth. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Go ahead, Pastor Charlotte. Do your thing. Do your thing. All right, Pastor Charlotte. We got serious issues going on here. As Let me make sure I'm not, uh, yeah. We have serious issues here as they have, you know, um, issued a state of emergency in the state of New York. And... My question is, you didn't see this coming? You know, you are now uh, shipping people into all areas, into all the hotels, and you now say there are 71,000 asylum seekers and we're waiting to receive more. This state of emergency existed from the moment y'all said yes. But now this is we finally heard from Hokel in regards to where she stands and here we are. Here we are. Now I'm gonna merge this with our other story where you have this young lady 21 years old, who is also an asylum seeker, who we have found here um, in New York. The father took her to the emergency room because she was bleeding profusely, only to find out when they got there, she went to the bathroom, came out, bloodied up. She had left the baby she had just delivered in the garbage can. So now they have her, they're charging her with a, um, um, what do you call this thing, endanger to a child and um, some other charge. So now they're about to start loading up the jail system with these asylum seekers. What are you saying about the state of emergency? I'm using this story as a segue into, oh, yeah, this, 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 we just got the ball rolling. This is the only one we know about. What you say, Pastor Charlotte? Well, first of all, we always been in a state of emergency when we had our own because we had so many people that have so many different issues and situations, right, as far as not having no place to live, no job, none of that. Now you bring over here without a plan, 
without uh, housing for these people, without jobs for these people. My feeling has always been why we have not cleared up our house first before we allow others to come over. That was a, always been an issue for me. Then on top of that, you find all of a sudden all this money just fall out the sky, and you know, that you're able to help when you couldn't help our own. So now you got people coming over, and all of these stories is nothing different from what we've already had. We've had teenage, um, 21-year-olds having babies yep. and parents not yep. knowing that, you know, yep. that they're pregnant. You know, we've had that. So now, not only that, with that situation, now you're multiplying uh, foster care because now who's going to take care of these kids? They don't have no job already. They don't have nowhere to go. So now you're doing foster care. So now they're blending it into the foster care, right? Now you're making crime go up. So because I don't have it and I walk down the street, and remember Lady Tamika said it, buying them, I want to say that. <laughs> so excited for them. Um, so with that being said, I'm walking down a street where you can't even carry your pocketbook. Right? So next is going to be, are y'all going to take our groceries? You know what I mean? We go in the store, you buy $10 eggs, and y'all going to take them? Because you know you're going to fight for them eggs now, for sure. And they're expensive, <laughs> right? So now you're seeing all of these things that you, 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 you're allowing all of these people to come in, and now the hospitals are packed. You know, so y'all know you didn't have a plan. You have the same workers, but you don't want to pay these people for doing jobs that they already have because of the overflow, back to the school, the overflow of all of them. So, no. So where do we go from here? And like you said, y'all still have the door open and still allowing more to come in. You don't know who is who now. One time you can walk in your neighborhood and you see people that you know. Now you see in so many faces that you don't even know who they are. So state of emergency, what about us? Like you said, so now we don't have no say. That's one, because we don't. We don't have, uh, even when you do the community meetings, they have no say. Because no matter what you put, if somebody puts something in in a, uh, I want to say, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Say something, right, and try to put it and make it stick. Here y'all come and adding on to these people when we never thought about it. It's like having a meal, right? You have a place and you're going to feed 50 people. And you know 50 people is coming because that's what the norm is. Here you come with 150 people. So what are we supposed to do? And you say that you can't turn uh-huh. the people away from eating. For example. Wow. That was just an example. So we do have issues. We have a lot of problems that are, you're making more problems than what we already had. And then you taking those and multiplying them to every thousands of people that you're bringing over. So where do we go? There's no room now. Every little spot that they find, they're putting something there, some kind of a building that you can, it's like a, a railroad track. And I'm like, how do you put a building like that? 
So everything is just like a, just a long railroad track. And they have those up here in Harlem. Wow. Wow. Oh, my goodness, Pastor Charlene. You brought up some really, really good points, especially this foster care issue. Um, you know, right. You know, now dad can't take care of it because he just a little janitor out trying to make his way. You're going to be sitting up in jail. So now you got another child up in the foster system and uh, overloading up the, the system that's already overloaded with the ones who come from here. Ooh, good point, Pastor Charlotte. Thank you so much for joining us today. Let's talk to our Pastor Jeff and see what Pastor Jeff has to say about this thing. Pastor Charlotte, if we can get to a church folk question, please try to think of one. Oh, Pastor Jeff, good morning. Good morning, good morning. How are you today? I'm well, thank you. How are you doing? Good, good, good. Well. (laughs) Yeah. Wait, we got to start. Wait, 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 wait. We got to start with the, um, wait, not with the state of emergency. We got to start with the the, the school. The school. Pastor, I say, you know, for, for the insensitive ones that don't govern properly, you need to demote them, uh, leave them with their little job, but you know what, let them, you know, uh, serve some lunch or something. You know, Pastor Charlotte says, nope, you don't have any heart for the children. You need to be going bye-bye altogether. Based on this story of you not allowing these children to attend the prom because their attendance hasn't been up to par when you know why the fact that they've been suffering with cancer all year long. That's why they have not been um, in school as they should. And it wasn't until the teachers, I'm sorry, the parents and the children put it out in the news, put it in social media, that you decided to change your mind. Should Should these people still have a job? Um, <laughs> I, I'm caught with that. You're going to extremes of taking their jobs. I I believe they should be checked on that and pressured to, you know, they should go to, to sensitivity training. <laughs> you know, you should put them back on probation or something and try to really counsel them into seeing the other side because they're very callous. They're not seeing it from the children's perspective, not seeing it from the suffering, you know, but taking their jobs from them right away, I, you know, I wouldn't say that. I, I, I put them through sensitivity okay. training. I put them back on probation or something. Okay. Let me ask you something. Can you teach someone to be sensitive? I think so. I mean, I think we, you know, we can, we, we, we can change, you know, we, we, you know, we're human and we can change. A lot of people won't change. They're not willing to change. But I mean, the Bible said, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let you know that your mind can be renewed. Okay. So, yeah, okay. I think we could. Okay. And I happen to agree because if, if there was no, um, if there was no chance, then 
then Jesus would have died for nothing. If there was no chance, then what are we telling them about God and Jesus? So I do, I happen to agree. Although I don't say let them keep that same job, <laughs> I do agree that they, you know, given an opportunity, they can change. Um, so I, I do agree with that. I do agree with that. Um, is there anything else you'd like to say about this particular case before we move on to the migrant situation? Uh, well, just to cap that, you know, what we were just talking about, I, you know, it, I can't see how you can't see these children went through all of this suffering and everything else, and 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 you're going to be a stickler for not allowing them to go to the prom and and all of that. I mean, I, it, it, it seems to be very very cold. You know, it's a once in a lifetime thing, and right. and these people were battling for their lives. I mean, that is very callous though. Right. You know. Right. And I, I agree with you, Pastor Jeff. I remember when it was our, my senior year, and all of a sudden, and we weren't a bad, it wasn't like the class of 84 <laughs> was like, you know, a bad class or anything like that. I don't know what happened. We just got an announcement one day that there would be no prom. And needless to say, you know, there was a level of disappointment because, like you said, it's a one-in-a-lifetime opportunity. So when my daughter, the same one you're on with, Shanti, you know, when it was time for her to graduate, she was like, I don't want to go to prom. And I said, oh, yeah, you do. I said, we're going to get prepared for you to go because once you miss this, there's no going back. And sure enough, she had the time of her life. And she'll tell you about it. She's on today. She's taking Pastor Kale's place. I'm sure she'll elaborate. But there's a reason why I'm saying this to you, Pastor Jeff, is because I'm agreeing with you, which is why it's my thought that you you can't – if you ain't this sensitive for this, Jesus going to really have to deal with you. And you know what? While Jesus deal with you, you just take another job. See, you you nice. Because you said, you know what, let him go to that sensitivity training. I don't know how long it will take for Jesus to get you to the point where you sensitive. We didn't say you're sensitive or you need to be sensitive to the fact of, you know, well, you know, there was this stuff going on in your life and you could have done better. You know, so we're going to challenge that. When, like you said, yo, you really, somebody got to really convince you what was it going to cost them? Because you got to pay to go to prom, Pastor Jeff. You could let them kids go for free. Nobody would have missed that. So that's just too extreme for me. No, no, you work at that desk. You serve some lunch. You do something. But I agree with you. It's a once-in-a-lifetime thing. You really need to, 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 to have been a little better than that. Um, it's just really sad. Uh, Pastor Jeff, we talk about these migrants that have now been shipped everywhere. You know, Rockland, said, I think it was you on with us last week when Rockland said, oh, no way. And they said, yes way. Well, you know, we ain't going to move them in the house next door to you, but we're going to put them in that hotel. So now they're shipping them into the hotels, as we talked about last week. Yonkers has it. Now Newburgh has it. Poughkeepsie has it. They're shipping them all over the place. They are now putting them, Pastor Jeff, onto the campuses 
of SUNY and CUNY colleges. So they've moved from our elementary and junior high schools. They're now putting them on the SUNY and CUNY campuses. Now you've got this issue with this migrant who you now are going to jail because of what she's done with her, her, her infant. As Pastor Charlotte said, now the infant has to go into our foster care system, which puts more weight into the foster care system. Thank God she wasn't a minor because then she'd be going into the foster care system herself probably. What you got to say about all of this stuff, Pastor Jeff? Well, you know how I feel about that, man. I mean, I'm I'm so, you know, they they deserve, the chickens come home to roost because they deserve it with all this bleeding heart stuff for everybody else but the, the, the ones that live here and the ones that need help here. You know, we spending all this money outside of us and not taking care of home, and it just gets me angry. We want to let everybody in. You know, we, we LGBTQ this, inclusive this, and, and we want to bring everybody in and this, that, and the other, and they deserve the, the emergency. They deserve the problem because we need to stop letting everybody in. You understand? We need to stop trying to, you know, police the world and take care of the world without taking care of home. And then we as black folks here, we, we is a lot that, you know, you need to deal with with us. Where's our reparations? You know, you, you know with all this substance. <laughs> and you, you spending all this money to take care of everybody else. And that's why all these countries are sending them here. They're like, they're destroying us from within, you know, because of our right. policies and, and our thought patterns. We need, you know, this country needs their mind renewed, you know. Absolutely. You know what? We were laughing at you yesterday. Um, I was talking to someone about you yesterday, and I said, Pastor Jeff, be cracking me up. He said, well, you know how I feel about that. And sure enough, (laughs) you came up today, (laughs) and you said, you know how I feel about that. Well, I quoted you yesterday. Yeah, you know, Pastor Jeff, it's true. You know, it's just ongoing and ongoing and ongoing and I agree. You know, we've been in a state of emergency a long time before this asylum seeking issue came along. We have really been in dire straits. Oh, I don't know, Pastor Jeff. It's just going to get worse before it get better. That's all I know. It's going to get worse before it get better. Now our college campuses are now going to house so you have officially put the the, the the migrants where all the students reside. Mm-mm-mm. Thank you for joining mm-hmm. us, Pastor Jeff. We'll have time for a church folk question. Uh, there's no Pastor KL today. Uh, he's doing well. He's doing well. Just work obligation. So we're going to say good morning to Shantice instead. Good morning, Shantice. Good morning. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Now, we all know you're no pastor, but, you know, you're a good feeling. So we thank you always for, you know, just being our ram in the bush. All right, Shanti. Amen. We're talking about this, <laughs> this student issue um, with them not being able to attend the prom. You know, there's, there's a uh, pastor, Jeff says, you know what? Send them to some sensitivity training. Let Jesus renew their mind. And, you know, don't take away their job. Give them another shot. Pastor Charlotte says, get rid of them all together. 
And I say, just shift them around. You know, just put them in a less conspicuous, conspicuous area. What say you? I say send them to church. Ain't no secular sensitivity, because I agree. You can't teach sensitivity. It's like you can't teach swag. It's like you can't teach common sense. You you definitely can't teach common sense. So that, that's right in the same pocket with that. They need church because Jesus is the only one who will be able to say something that will help to pierce that heart so that you understand how disgusting that decision was. So send them to the nearest church with a pastor who has common sense, who is humble enough to listen to the spirit of the Lord as to what they need to say specifically to that person. Because I don't understand how that even came up. I'm sure they knew way before prom time why those kids were missing school. So now here prom comes up. How was that even a consideration? There should have been, and I think someone said it, something special done for them. You don't have to pay senior dues. You know, you don't have to worry about any of that. They probably didn't have time to even look the way they really wanted to look because who's really shopping for a prom dress and or tux if I'm going through cancer treatment? I probably didn't even think I was going to make it to see prom. Right. So no one is, you know, no one is doing a preparation. The parents, I'm sure, didn't even have time to, to prepare for this because their mind is just praying and or, and or hoping that their child makes it, you know. So I, I just think that that was disgusting. I, I think well, they should funny. have been fired as well and, you know, oh. just get another job because the only reason why they changed the, the decision is because they were put on blast. Because now everyone in the world knows that you chose to be insensitive and not let these sick kids, or if they're, you know, healed, um, these kids who went through all of this. But if if y'all weren't putting on blast, y'all would have continued to ban them from the festivities. So, no. Well, funny you should say that um, about they didn't know whether they would make it because one of the mothers, said specifically that she was really ecstatic about the decision to allow them, her child and them, to um, attend the prom because she didn't think her child would make it to Mother's Day. And she was so happy Mm -hmm. that her Mother's Day was spent with her child because she didn't think she was, that was just a prayer that they would even make it that her Mother's Day would not have been spent without her child. So you're absolutely right. You know, that you're kind of holding your breath for them to even make it, to even see graduation. You know, am, is my right. child going to graduate, you know, before they, you know, expire, you know? And, well, um, they, they weren't trying to go to the prom. I'm sure they were trying to ban them from walking across that stage as well. Yeah, yeah you don't know what the, what, the limit, what the limitations were. I agree. Mm-hmm. You don't know. We just didn't get that far. You just didn't get that mm-hmm. far. And when they were asked by the reporters, why did you change your mind? There was no answer. Well, the answer was they didn't want to tell because we got pressured <laughs> for exposure. Right. Like you said, like you said, right. it, 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 it's definitely, um, you know, uh, a, 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 a situation where it's, it's just too sad to even 
just a heart, your mm-hmm. heart, just a hardened heart is just mm-hmm. And let me say, so, and a, a quick disclaimer, uh, Pastor Steph, I'm sorry to piggyback off of what you were saying with my situation and to show that it was really insensitive. The reason why I didn't want to go to prom, I never miss an opportunity to dress up. Let me just put that out there. But the reason why I didn't want to go to prom is because I was supposed to be class of 03 and because I majored in cutting school, I was class of January of 04. So once I got my diploma in January, I was just happy to be up out of there because GED, no shape for anyone who has it, that just wasn't something that I wanted. So I fought and I pushed and I did the extra school time and I got my diploma in January and I figured that was it. Like my peoples had left already six years, up six years, I'm sorry, six months before. And I didn't see the point in walking across the stage or going to prom because it was like, this is not my class. And like you said, Pastor Steph, you were like, yeah, no, you're going. And you definitely walk across that stage. Or like you put me through, you walk across that stage, even though I already had the diploma. But it, for them to even allow me to do that, because they didn't have to allow me to do it, because technically I was no longer a student come June of 04, because I got my diploma six months prior. So if they could allow me to attend prom, and the graduation ceremony, and technically I was no longer a student, I don't see how it would even be a consideration to ban these children who have gone through this, and this is still their class. And I'm pretty sure that they were decent or scholar students before they got sick. Right, because if not, because they they they, they, they would have said, right. oh well, You're right, right. They, but they would say, oh well, they were no good students anyway. So now we just focus on sympathy because they're sick. No, I'm pretty sure that had they not gotten sick, they would have kept going with their good habits. So if they could allow me to do that, then they could have made concessions for these kids. Well, that was nice for you to say. I wasn't going to tell you a secret. <laughs> I, I knew. Uh, I was. Testimony, testimony, no, testimony. I see why you didn't testimony. want to go. I remember why you didn't want to go. But you're, you're, you're right. They didn't say because there were other issues that they felt mm-hmm. they didn't meet the criteria. Because we do know, right. you know, when you're a senior, you have to meet criteria in order to go to prom, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. They specifically said because their attendance had not, you know, uh, reached the the level where it needed to be. So that really is why it was so insensitive. But thank you for sharing. And I like the point you made. I like You're the welcome. point you made. I like the point you made. Thank you very much. All right. The state of emergency that New York is in, they're now putting our uh, 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 our migrants, because they are our migrants now, our, uh, our migrants, our asylum seekers, they're putting them on CUNY and SUNY campuses. They are putting them in hotels across New York State. There are 30 New York State um, and city counties that have been declared in the state of emergency. We are now, they are now officially, because we know they've probably been locking them up all along. They are now locking them up in our jail systems, uh, Pastor Charlotte brought out. Our foster care system is now beginning to carry some of the weight of our asylum-seeking individuals. What say you? Well, real quick, I pulled up the definition of emergency, and it says a serious, <laughs> unexpected, 
an often dangerous situation requiring immediate action. So if we choose the intellectual route and follow the definition of these words we like to use, this is serious. However, this is not unexpected when you have said yes to inviting these people over. You cannot cry emergency because another part of it is an and often dangerous situation. You're inviting the danger. So because this is not unexpected and because you're inviting the danger, you cannot use the word emergency. Okay? So they need to take that out of their verbiage when they're talking about this situation here. Again, I think it is very disgusting that these immigrants get to go to college for free Um, because that's one of the things that is holding me back from really talking to the Lord about if I could go back. Because it's like, God, you know I'm I'm not taking out a loan. And unless you send some money this way, I don't have it to go to school, whether it's virtually or in person. But yes, they get this whole college experience for free. Why? So what would happen if the students got together and said, we're not paying tuition or student loans until you get them off the property? Like, what, what if they decided to do that? Because you are making them feel, possibly making them feel uncomfortable, just like with the elementary and junior high school students. Like, why is this an option? It is not, I'm really mad about this emergency word. It is not an emergency. When you know you are making the choice to bring them here and you do not have the proper plans nor resources to facilitate this serious idea. How does this work? Well... It works how it's working where they have not stopped and closed the border. That's why I don't understand. Oh, and I don't... Said, wait, I'm sorry. To, to back up what, what you've been saying, you know what I saw on social media the other day when I kept sending you all those posts? Something happened. I forgot where it, where it is, which country I think it is, but there was an American pedophile over there, and they had to literally drag him to get, I think, in the car because they were shipping him back here. And didn't you just bring up a story? Oh, it was the, the yeah. guy who yeah, from Cuba last week. We were talking about they yeah. couldn't take him back. And I'm like, well, y'all, it's on camera. I remember if it was the Shade Room or if it was Larry Live, one of the more Instagram, dragging this man and you hear him say, no, no, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. But it wasn't an option. So why is it that you can force them, which I agree, you need to be forced back from where you came from if you left wherever you come from to commit whatever crime. But why is it that you're dragging him back here when yet that guy, you claim you couldn't take him back and he belonged there? Yeah. It's like, it's just so twisted and cock-eyed what they're doing. You see all the underground and hidden maliciousness and, and slowness and you can tell that somebody palms is getting greased and somebody's pockets is getting fat because none of the stuff is lining up and making sense. Not at all. Not at all. And and it, this is this is why that particular story was so disturbing because they say Cuba said that his travel documents were not correct. Mm-hmm. So you're going to let the opposite side dictate who you must keep Okay, so it, it, it is. It, all of you have said it. It is so true. It's just at a point where it, it, it's really 
very it, it it's got listen if you rather declare a state of emergency instead of closing the border we got bigger problems than you think shut it down shut it down you now have 71,000 people you got to try to figure out something to do with you can't send them back for whatever the reason is you claim and you can't stop the border from 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 remaining open something is wrong oh Thank you all for indulging me on our news. I'll start with you, Pastor Charlotte. Do you have a? Uh, oh, I got it. I got it. But you know what? Right. I should have remembered the, the one I had. Uh, what do you have, Pastor Charlotte? You have something for church folk? Uh, yeah, I was thinking of of staying in the same place where we were, of having people okay. in ministry that they can't deal with, like, <clears throat> excuse me. Going back to the children, how there be someone that's over the children that don't like kids, Ooh. and they treat the children bad, uh, like the ushers that don't want to walk, don't want to help the people, don't want to <laughs> pass out a napkin, don't even have no mint. So I, I thought of that as y'all as we were talking. <laughs> well, I just want you to know, Pastor Charlotte. That if you're an yes, usher ma'am. and you don't have no men, that is a major violation for Pastor Steph. Because Kay has a mint to me every week. Pulpit, every week, Kay got a mint for Stephanie. Tell you, I gotta tell you. So if you are, if you're an usher and you ain't got a mint for the pastor, something wrong. Something wrong. You need, pastor Jeff, you need to be fired. <laughs> 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 That's a mandate. That's a mandate. Need a man. Oh my goodness gracious, Pastor Jeff, who in the church have you seen keep jobs, and it is clear they don't want their job. They don't like their job. <laughs> I mean, I've seen a whole lot of in the church you know, like they job. I've, I've seen pastors, you know, <laughs> be so nasty and so short with the people and, you know, just can't stand people, but yet you're trying to pastor them, you know. So I've, I've seen it all, you know, from the pulpit to the door. Amen. <laughs> like, oh, but think about it. Look, 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 look at Moses. He ain't like his job. <laughs> he, you know, he struck the rock. He, you know, he 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 threw them ten commandments. You know, he you know just you know frustrated with the people. I don't want to do this, but I I've been there, so you know it's like why why is this burden on me? You know the people don't care. Why should I care? You know? mm-hmm. so, how do you? Oh, can, I, can, I, can I ask him a question? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I just wanted to. You didn't start off that way, right? See, I'm talking about people who start ah. off that way. No, I didn't. I started See? off just l- loving people mm-hmm. and caring and giving of myself. <laughs> and then after you see what the people do to you, it, it, it'll, it'll, you know, you got to fight not to change and get a hard heart, you know. You got to fight. Right, and I'm agreeing. I'm agreeing. I'm with you. I mean, my, I'm with my you. stuff. I'm my, with you. My, my stuff was so extreme that we ended up 
you know, with a with a case in court in California, and I'm I'm giving everything not to give these people up, and then they got to understand and and say, yeah, the pastor did it, <laughs> you know. I'm, I'm, <laughs> so you you know that you know you know that changed me that day. <laughs> you know, I put myself at risk, my family at risk, to almost lie for these people, and then they turn around. It was like you know they saw a way out. Let's blame it on the person that's actually covering for us. So, you know, I, I you know, I, that that that's easily to happen in the church. That's why you got to stay prayed up and remember who you're doing it for. It ain't for the people. It's because God has commissioned you to do it. You know. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. And, and that's where I was going when Pastor Charlene asked. You know, Polo Moses. You know, he tried to get out of it from the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> I can't talk right. My speech ain't good. You know, he tried to make all them excuses to try to get out of it. And he didn't even have an idea as to what was coming down the pipeline. Um, you know, and, and like Pastor Charlene said, which is what my thought was, whole thing, he didn't even start that way. And before you know it, he was throwing down the Ten Commandments, like you said. He was... You know, uh, but, but he was constantly in prayer for these people, and they still—they mm-hmm. was just—they they just kicked his butt, um, blaming him every opportunity they could. You know, the, uh, 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 criticizing him. These people are ungrateful. My God, they're ungrateful. Mm-hmm. So, especially like said, the ones you helped the most. Yep, yep. They're the ones <laughs> that complain the most. You're absolutely right. And that's what happened. So, you know, for him, and, and like you said yourself, you know, you, you, you didn't start off that way, you know. Um, but, again, you have those people that Pastor Charlotte is talking about that, you know, they start off, you know, grumpy. They don't want to do the job. And, you know, they end up there. And you end up <laughs> having to endure going to hell of it. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Uh, there's a there's actually a church folk question from a listener, from what I understand. Um, the pastor Charlotte, before we go on, is there anything you'd like to elaborate on in your particular church folk question? Um, I was just you know saying because we was talking about the children, and it just clicked of how I have seen people who don't particularly like kids. They tolerate them, right, um, to have that position and where that you don't really have the love for the children. And, you know, dealing with us, period, adults, children, seniors, but if you don't have the heart for that, you know, it has to get past. Like even in a job instance, right, you have to get past of the finance because a lot of times you put yourself more into it, right? So if you're putting yourself more into it, you know the pay is, is less, but you've got to have the heart for it as a, right. as, a right. as pastor. If you don't have right. the heart for the people, right, because there will be days you're not going to get no money, you know, and people think that being a pastor, that you get all this money. Well, let me let y'all listeners know, that is not true. 
for yeah, we all broke. the things that we do, the sacrifices and all of that, you know? Yeah, we broke. So it's the same, but you got to have the heart. And that's what we was talking about of when we were talking about the, the prom, you know, of the heart of the people, and that just jumped right in. As soon as you asked about that, it made me think of the people in ministry, you know, of not having the heart for it. You don't have that. And like um, Shanti said, sit down and, and see God and let God do your, you know, clean your heart out before you decide on this is, you want to come over here. No. Sit down, boo, and you'll be all right. And let God lead you, lead you and the pastor of where you should go. And I say, take them off. Sit them down. You might have walked into it. You know, it might not be a ministry that's, or you might be a ministry that's already functioned, you know. But, hey, sometimes we got to revive. You pass that. And I ain't saying fight them and put them out to church. That ain't what I'm saying. <laughs> Just move them to something else. <laughs> Just move them to something else. Everybody got to do something. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what? My question is to all of you. If you're in the church and you are accepting a job, you have accepted a position that you have no heart for, is that acceptable to God? Is God receiving that? And I'll start with you, Pastor Jeff. Is God? Do you feel God is receiving that? Um, yo, you know what you're doing. What do you think? Well, okay, I, you know, like even Paul says, it was talks about how there are people preaching for other. You know, I'm not, I mean, it was brought to Jesus that people were preaching and some were preaching for money they were preaching for this and and he said leave it alone you know the job is getting done you know what I'm saying the gospel is being spread and i'm i'm saying is god accepting it i mean he he knows our hearts he knows us and he even uses the hard-hearted ones the messed up hearted ones and all of that i just think those people are shorting themselves from the benefits of serving God wholeheartedly and with a clean heart. You understand? But, you know, <laughs> I, you know, just let, I just say, let it, you know, let them use them at whatever capacity you can be using. Some people can't be used at a great capacity because they won't allow their hearts to be where God wants it to be, you know? So, so are you saying leave them in the position? Are you saying leave them in the position? So you well, have not to if they're doing, Not if they're doing harm. I'm not going to okay. leave no cantankerous usher in my church, you know, treating people bad and acting crazy because, first of all, it's going to affect my ministry, you know, if they're doing real damage. But if they're not, okay. sometimes the position can, 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 can save you. Like me growing up in the church, the fact that I was forced to be on the choir, believe it or not, that choir kept me kept me there after I got old enough not to have to be there. I got locked into that choir, and then eventually I got saved. But I, okay. I hated being in the choir. I had an attitude when I when they forced me to you know to sing in the choir. But okay, okay. leaving me there helped to bring me 
into my salvation, you know? Okay, okay. Because you being a part of the choir, whether you enjoyed being or not, you didn't destroy the choir. You didn't destroy the focus or the function of the choir. So that's why you were able to be a, it was able to be a blessing to you in you staying there. However, no, I like did, you said. I did some damage to the choir, though, with, my, with the way I was. I did some damage. I ran through the women. <laughs> Pastor Jeff, you're killing me. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So the internal working, nobody knew about. <laughs> no, they knew about it. It caused up in the church. They had that meeting with the pastor, you know. <laughs> you killing me? You killing me? I'm giving you an out. Every out I give you, you smack me down. <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! You are a mess, Pastor Jeff. You are a mess. Okay, so I gotta ask you. This is gonna be the Pastor Jeff show today. I gotta ask you. You said. You did your damage before you were baptized. I didn't say before I was baptized. I did my damage after I was baptized. (laughs) 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 Tell it, Pastor. Wait, 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 wait. wait. I'm trying to understand the, the chain of events, and here's what I'm asking. Because you were saying that you stayed in there long enough to be saved, so it benefited you. But while you were waiting to be saved is when you were doing. That's why I'm now I'm confused because I'm trying to figure out. Okay, what happened now, Pastor Jeff? Before, during, after. I'm saying the Lord brought me from a mighty long way, and though I was saved, I fell. And you know we fall down, but we get up, right? And I had to get up a few times. But the fact that that I stayed in that choir, I believe, you know, I didn't get too far away from 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 the church. I was there to hear the word, and enough got in me at some point that, you know, I wanted total deliverance. Okay. 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 I like that. Okay. <laughs> He's a mystery like you and Pastor Pastor KL. That's why. Amen. Amen. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I got a question, okay. Pastor Jeff. I got a question, Pastor Jeff. Is it because you yeah. ran the women ran out? And that's why you decided to get saved? Because they all ran out by then? Listen, my grandfather had a flourishing ministry. There was a new influx of women every week. Okay, they oh, never ran out. Oh I oh I had to get right. They never ran out. Oh, oh my God! Thank you, Jesus. Oh my. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! You know, this has been <laughs> this has been quite a conversation. Thank you, Pastor Jeff. Thank you, Pastor Charlotte. Thank you, Shantice, for your contribution into today's conversation. Shantice, hold that question from the listener for next week's uh, Church Folk Question God Spares 
we'll hit that one and uh, we'll definitely address that in our church for conversation. And uh, we pray that you all have a blessed day. Thank you very much. Thank you. all do the same. God bless you all. Okay, thank you. Oh, my goodness. You know, thank God for deliverance. And, you know, he, he has never said my former life, but Lord have mercy. He has had a former life. But giving God thanks that you can hear God, you know, dealing with him as a pastor now. And, um, boy, can God do some work in us or what? Let's get that benediction for today. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. John fourteen twenty seven. Oh my 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 my. Okie dokie. Where are we today? Was well, something Pastor Charlotte said, and I said I was going to close with that, and uh, I can't remember what I was going to say. Pastor Jeff had me laughing too much. Okay, let me uh, let me look. Well, let's go to emergency. You know, Shantice when she said, "I'm going to pull up the word." emergency. You know what, as a matter of fact, let me just back up a little bit. Let me just back up a little bit. Let's let's go before the Lord. Actually, a little earlier than I thought. Let's go before the Lord and hold hands and hold hearts today. Heavenly Father God, we thank you. We thank you for being our beginning. We thank you for being our end, dear Heavenly Father. Thank you for being so kind as to wake us up today and getting us started on our way. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this conversation today that your deliverance shows through all of our lives. It shows where you were in the beginning and where you are at this point. And we know, God, we could not be here if you were not at the beginning. We thank you, dear Heavenly Father, for deliverance. We thank you, dear Heavenly Father, for showing our listeners that regardless of where we start, if we make the decision that we need to give you our life, that you can turn it all around. We thank you for forgiveness. We thank you for your understanding. We thank you for winking at us during our time of ignorance. We thank you, dear Heavenly Father, for when you said in your word, my people sin not, but if you should, there's an advocate. Thank you. You've made a way for us. From the beginning to the end, and that's how we know that you are the that you are the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end, because you show yourself to be just that kind of God. 
that if you had not watched us from the beginning, that you could not have helped us through all the detours of life, through the pitfalls of life, the bad decisions we've made, rescuing us. Oh, my God, in so many ways you rescued us. Thank you. Thank you, God, for loving us in only a way that you could love us. How we've managed to still be here after all we've put ourselves through, after all we've put other people through, is only because of you, God. Thank you. Thank you for your loving kindness. Thank you for waking us up each and every day with brand new tender mercies. We ask you, God, to be with this world. Be with this United States, God. And we have, as we have opened up a can of worms, you know, we, we say that we can't do anything about it. But we know you can And we're asking you, God, to rescue us from this mess. That you protect us. That you protect the innocent. That you cover us in only a way that you can cover us. We thank you, dear Heavenly Father, for the times when you have protected us. And we had no concept that we wouldn't even acknowledge you when we found out that it was you. But you kept on doing it till we're here today. And we love you, Lord, for being a God of your word. We love you, Lord, for being a God that cannot lie, a God that does not change his mind. Thank you for being consistent. And sometimes the only consistent that we have in our life. We love you, Lord, today because you've cared for us in such a special, special way. We ask you, dear Heavenly Father, to cover all of your churches, dear Heavenly Father. And we're talking about God from the inside where there are people who are actually occupying positions where they don't care about your people. And dear Heavenly Father, I know you know their hearts, whether wicked or righteous. You know their heart, you know their potential. And we know, dear Heavenly Father, that you're going to clean it up whether you clean up the church first or whether you clean up that life first, the decision is yours because your way is always higher than our way. Your thoughts are always higher than our thoughts. And we thank you, dear Heavenly Father, for just being that kind of God in our life. In the precious name of Jesus, God, we pray. Amen. I need us. 30-second break. Thank you. You know, 
I give God thanks for being a man of his word. And I give God even more thanks that I'm beginning to know him more and more every day. And one of the things that came across my mind the other day was um, the fact that, you know, he says his ways are higher than our ways. He says his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And, you know, we always claim to be a part of that. We know that. We trust God. You know, he is my higher power. He is my higher source. But yet when God speaks, we ignore him. <laughs> I was, you know, talking to Shanti the other day, and I said, I'm waiting for the day that we back up what we say when we say we give God our everything and we actually do give God our everything. We don't kind of weave and bob and, you know, go through what we go through before we actually take him at his word. If he says my ways are higher than your ways, then when he moves, we need to move with him because we understand that we're moving behind the man who says his ways are higher than our ways when his thoughts are revealed and we honestly feel that his thoughts are higher than our thoughts then we automatically move and it reminds me of a train you know, the motorman is not in the middle of the train. The conductor is in the middle of the train. And ironically, I've heard it said that the conductor is actually the one who runs the train, not the motorman. Whether that's actually true or not, only the conductor and the motorman actually know that. But in this particular case, the conductor can't see what the motorman sees. The motorman can see if there's a red light ahead. The motorman can see whether the tracks are clear. The motorman can see if there's anything in front of the train and whether he should or can proceed. He's the one who knows if someone's jumped in front of the train or if something's been pushed or dumped onto the train tracks and whether he can go or not. He's the eyes of the train. And as long as the other cars are connected to his car, then they have no other choice but to go and stop when he decides to go and to stop. And thus, what I say about God's ways being higher than our ways, his thoughts being higher than our thoughts. Because if we're connected to the trade, 
long as that car that we are in is connected to that train, then when he goes, we go. When he stops, we stop. We don't get out. We don't get off and become impatient. We don't get off and make our own decisions. We don't follow our own mind, our own way. We don't separate and go our own direction or separate and when God decides to move the car, we're left behind. See, all of those things are not even a consideration for Stephanie. Because I understand that if I'm agreeing that his way is higher than my way, his thought is higher than my thought, then I have no business disconnecting. I have no business getting off. I have no business doing it my way. Because if I do those things, then I ultimately say that I know better than God. I ultimately say that I'm higher than God. Now, I may not realize I'm saying this. But let's go back to the conductor is the one that really controls the, the train. Because when the motorman hears from the conductor and he says, listen, I got a situation back here and we moved the train. And the motorman says, oh, going further, that's because the motorman trusts the conductor. See, God can't trust us first before we trust him. He can't default and defer to us before we defer to him. Because anytime that happens, we become out of alignment with God. So let's just make sure we allow that monument to move that car and we stay on track with the monument. You've been listening to It's the Time with Pastor Steph. Join us Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. where we discuss matters of the heart, mind, and spirit. As you go through your day, be sure to set your mind on things that are above not on things that are on the earth. They will only serve as a distraction. Remember, change is saying. It's Pastor Steph signing off, and I want to thank my D-Time crew for uh, being with us and making sure they set us on the right track. Thank you for hanging out with us. Uh, please do not miss this opportunity to just strengthen that relationship with the Lord. Please do not miss this opportunity to accept Jesus as your personal Savior right now because later is not promised to us. Until later, tomorrow, God spares our life with Wow Wednesday. I love you.